A quick thank you to Handmade, a local band here who's just released their debut EP called For You. It's on, I believe, all streaming uh, services. They allowed us initial access pre-release for their amazing song On and On, which you hear before and through uh, the podcast. If you do get a chance to check them out, uh, Handmade, not the Thai boy band, just check them out. Give them a follow on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you might be able to search and find them. Thanks again to Handmade for an awesome track for us. Welcome to Perspectives YYC. In this episode, I sit down with Jaco Marshall, an amazing human who was uh, running the Mission Coffee Shop that I call uh, affectionately my home office. Unfortunately, or fortunately for him, unfortunately for me, he's moved on to bigger and better things. But in this episode, we get to sit down, learn about his near-death experiences, his obsession with mountaineering, um, his fascination and involvement with coffee, and just a small snippet of what an awesome human being Jaco is. I have to start to pronouncing his name correctly from here on in. Uh, if you do get a chance to pause and uh, give us a rating, a review, subscribe to the podcast, that'd be great. Uh, we love those metrics. Otherwise, uh, I hope you enjoy my uh, little chat here, and uh, thanks for listening. genetically modified thing from figs no there's there's something really no it wasn't maybe it's not apples i think apples are apples apples may just be apple. yeah well because the original eden story is not actually an apple it's a pear yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean they're everything we eat is essentially genetically modified i mean dogs dogs are very genetically yeah. modified there's like one the most genetic one modified. dog that starts all dogs yeah which is hard to one comprehend. dog to rule them all yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like all these like power breeds are all dying right yeah. now from inbreeding. Oh, some man. of the pictures you see are just some of the depressing. the evolution of some of these dogs from yeah. even a hundred years ago. I, it's like the English Bull Terrier or something. It's the one that um, Don Cherry had. Oh you know, yeah, he's yeah. also the Budweiser dog. Spuds McKenzie. I yeah, think yeah, is his yeah, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got that long. Like it doesn't really. It goes from head to, to nose. nose. Yeah, and you can see photos of it a hundred years ago. It's a completely different looking dog. It actually has a like a bridge, like a, huh. a spot for its what, eyes. Yeah, whatever like the that. dog. It's pretty crazy. The dog uh, description of the That's portion crazy. of the face. Yeah. <laughs> and not quit the muzzle. Yeah. The um, Are we already recording? Yeah. Yeah, this Great. is fun. Okay. We're just going to cool. shoot the shit. Here we are. Um, okay. Well, welcome to Perspectives YYC. We're in a new recording environment, a room. And we're here with uh, my friend Jacko and Kyle, as always, my uh, sponsor, uh, my benefactor and the man behind Media Lab YYC. I wrote a, I wrote a jingle this I week. like it. It's really smart. Here at Media Lab YYC, we help you share your stories with the public. Video, audio, business, personal. Let us help you take your idea to the finish line. That's great. That's like mostly from Kyle. That's really good, yeah. Kyle. Yeah. I know. We'll work on it. Yeah. It's plastic, whatever the right term is. But okay. It's a, um, it's a live statement. <laughs> It can, it can, it's a living statement. It's a living statement. Yeah, that's There's right. something that it'll evolve. That's right. As we do. I like it. Today, my special guest is Jacko Marshall. How do you, let's pronounce it correctly. It's Jacko. Jacko. Yeah, Marshall. You got it. Um, Jacko is an interesting fella in the sense, I mean, beyond being an actually interesting fella, but uh, I describe you a lot in my story okay. because uh, I think connecting with you first on my uh, journey to try to humanize human beings, you're also a benefactor of mine mm -hmm. because um, you were, which is an interesting That's twist right. of the yeah. story today, um, the manager of the Phil and Sebastian at Mission, which is essentially my office. That's right. And uh, and then everything that's come out of my current iteration of a maybe career or life goal has stemmed out of Mission Cafe, Phil and Sebastian. Oh, that's great. Isn't we're, it weird? We're happy to help. Yeah, it's <laughs> great though. It's it's really awesome. Um, so maybe, you know, as usual, what we've been doing is asking you to maybe introduce yourself and uh, talk about 
Okay. Whatever you want to talk about, I guess. All right. Yeah. 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 My name is Jaco Marshall. Uh, I have a very French name and a very non-French last name. Uh, it's a funny juxtaposition, but there it is. Yeah. So I just, uh, I've been the manager at Phil and Sebastian in Mission for the last uh, five and a half years. And I've been with the company for eight and a half years and I've just stepped down. So it's a, an interesting time in my life. So that's something uh, that I'm, I'm just, you know, figuring out what's next. And then uh, I'm also a very avid uh, mountaineer and rock climber. So those are kind of, you know, coffee and mountains are my two uh, big passions for the most part. So when I'm not in a coffee shop, I get out to the mountains as much as I can, assuming I have somebody to go with, because going by yourself sucks. Sounds dangerous. It's dangerous and it's lonely. <laughs> Sometimes even with people, frequently with people, it's still dangerous and lonely, but uh, that's part of the fun, I think. Number yeah. like we can't, it's hard to date these things because it takes yeah. some production time, et cetera. But yeah. uh, I mean, stepping down, like you're stepping down. You... Yeah, I'm, I'm fully stepping down. Well, I, I officially stepped down on September 15th. From duties. From, uh, from, from manager. managerial duties to, to assistant manager, which only like yesterday actually started to feel like I wasn't the manager anymore because people stopped bothering me as much and, uh, you know, giving me so much grief. I didn't expect to change uh, careers so fast, but I was approached by... Um, these two people who own the Commons YYC, which is a, uh, a shared workspace, another one. And they approached me and said that they would love me to work with them. And they didn't know how or, or what the job would be, but they wanted to see if, if there was a space for me in the company. So, you know, it's kind of turned into something after several talks with them over the last few weeks and uh, a rather extensive interview process for me, at least. Um, it's also a living role. It's a the job description is a live living document, and uh, basically what the title is is uh, community and operations director, which sounds really awesome. Pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. So, Kyle, we should be directors. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. It feels good to direct. You yeah. know. Um, so they know that I love people, and I have a passion for community, and uh, and making connections. So they wanted to get me in to do that in their space. Uh, because why do people come to a shared working space? You know, why, wh what are their reasons? And, you know, is it because it, it has lightning fast internet and good coffee and, and, you know, this place has nitro cold brew and, and tea on tap. That's pretty cool. Those are your, um, you know, amenities, amenities, if you will, your value propositions is what we call them. Or is it because of the culture? You know, is it because they are looking for a place to connect with other entrepreneurs, like-minded people? It can be both or one or the other, or they just don't want to sit in their own house. But what's the reason, you know? So um, that's what I'm there to find out. So I'm going to connect with all these members and uh, start to kind of get into what they're all about and how we can make that space better. There's a lot of co-working spaces in this city now and what makes us special. So I'm there to find out. I'm there to make those connections with people and and make sure that you're not just walking in and not saying hi to anybody and going to your own desk. If anything, I want to at least be the person they say hi to. It's interesting yeah. hearing you talk. Number one, I think uh, next time you're on here, we'll get the comments to pay for it. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a nice advertorial. I guess it depends on there. what I say now. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> no, I mean, you just hyped up yeah, the yeah, comments. Yeah, great. Like, yeah, I want to go visit. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is before I came here, I mean, this morning, uh, again, this won't work uh, sequentially as far as That's the release okay. of these podcasts, yeah. but this morning, Kyle and I recorded a podcast mm -hmm. with Alex Kwong. Um, and then afterwards, I met with a chef who has been doing um, pop-up restaurant sort of meals, cool. had a great conversation with him. But one of the things that he was lamenting was finding a difficulty finding a common space that was more what you're describing. There's maybe a spiritual or a cultural drive mm -hmm. as opposed to an economic or business oriented mm -hmm. one. And it's difficult. And, you know, one of the bigger themes that's been coming out amongst all of these podcasts is how difficult it is with the financial realities of starting anything in Canada in general, never mind Calgary, sure. but managing living costs, rent costs, commercial renting costs, all that shit, you know, um, uh, I've met two people in the last 24 hours that are on intermittent fasting diets trying to get over the idea that we have to have a breakfast, a lunch, and yeah, a dinner, and yeah. then becoming enslaved to this rhythm. You know, all of this stuff is is evolving. It's very, very much so. Even well, our eating habits, yeah. Well, always our eating habits, I guess. But, yeah, that's uh, Yeah, it is really interesting, isn't it? How about this? Like, Let's talk about your journey in and through coffee, in and through mountaineering. I love it. And in and through just being a, a sociable, nice guy. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of uh, a lot of it'll start with 
my discovery of customer service. You know, I think uh, I used to work uh, at Boston Pizza for a really long time. I was just the kitchen manager there. I was, you know, maybe 21 through 23 or 20, whatever. I was in my early 20s working in a pizza kitchen, you know, bossing 16-year-olds around and uh, not having a great time of it. And I, I like the aspect of creating food and of cooking because even even Boston Pizza, because I like to create. I like to work with my hands. I like to be on my feet. Aside from a few brief moments in the last 15 years, I've worked on my feet every day, you know, or at least five days a week for, you know, 40 hours a week. And I like it. So I think the big problem for me was that I was creating, but I, was, I wasn't seeing the results of my creations. Um, that's kind of what led me into coffee. You know, I started, I was working at Boston Pizza. I ran into somebody who was managing a Good Earth Cafe. I don't know why he was managing a cafe and working at Boston Pizza because managing a cafe is hard work. Uh, he offered me a job. So I started working in coffee. I'd never made coffee before. And, uh, and I decided to go check it out. And I really enjoyed speaking with customers. I really enjoyed making those connections. And I still got to create. I still got to work with coffee. I still got to make something and hand it out. And you're done. You say, thank you so much. You know, really appreciate it. And if it's wrong, you're not ruining a steak. You're not ruining, you know, something that's going to take 15 more minutes to prepare and the customer's going to be pissed because everybody's food is cold. It's a coffee. It takes two minutes, you know, and you can, you can bump them up to the front of the line. It doesn't matter. And I really enjoyed that. You know, I'm a bit of an instant gratification oriented individual in some ways. Other ways I like to play the long game, but um, that was one of the easy ones. You know, that was all well and good. I worked at the Good Earth Cafe in Glenmore Landing in Southwest Calgary. I had an okay time. I wasn't a huge fan of my clientele. I like people in general, but some of those people were really irking me. And uh, and then I had a buddy who said, hey, I'm working for this company called Phil and Sebastian. And uh, I'd never heard of them, you know. And coffee for me was kind of funny because when you start learning about coffee from a certain company, you feel like you know everything about coffee, you know, because they are educating you in their fashion. So when I was working at Good Earth, I was like, I know how coffee works. I know coffee for sure. And it wasn't until I started at Phil and Sebastian that I was like, I don't know anything about coffee. There were so many aspects of coffee that we hadn't even touched. I didn't know existed. But what I loved was, was not only the ability to learn so much more, but also the, the customers, you know, and the community were phenomenal. It just leaps and bounds better than, or different, I guess, from the ones in Glenmore Landing, you know? And uh, I think it's because people were coming to Phil and Sebastian because they were discerning enough to want quality in their coffee. It was more than just, I need caffeination. It was, I need caffeination and I want it to be good, you know? And I'm not just here to get a orange mocha frappuccino. I'm here to get something delicious and, and real. And that started my long journey. To work with, right with Phil and Sebastian at the time, these two young owners, they were in their early 30s at the time. They're both like 41 now. Um, and it was really cool to have these guys so passionate about what they do and really discerning, very detail-oriented. Almost, you know, for me at the time, I was like, this is too much, like almost to a fault for me. Um, but they're engineers. They're both ex-engineers. So uh, they really had to get into the minutia. But with that came my love for creating that thing. And also I was really proud of what I was giving to these, these customers. It also made me realize that customer service is just something I really love. I love connecting. You know, I love to offer somebody something I've made and see the reaction, but also get that feedback and, and see them again and, and work with them to realize that there's, you know, like, how was it last time? Not so great. Okay. Let's work together to make this better. I think that's so fun. And, uh, and I get to see them every day. I get to see their children grow up. I get to see them get married, all this kind of stuff. Move away some of them, which is so sad, you know. But I have dinner in some of my regular customers' houses, you know, many times a year, which is really cool. So Yeah, we're going to um, miss that without you. You know, now that you're describing it, I realize that that's a fundamental characteristic of why I think Mission Cafe has become my... Uh, home, mm -hmm. the second home away from home is that, you know, I did go on a journey to start my journey to go and meet and humanize and like, you know, uh, this, you're not just this automaton that's, uh, you know, I pay for my caffeination, mm -hmm. um, which I had assumed probably for the first 38 years of my life. Um, and then, you know, meeting with you and chatting with you and the, and the team at the time, you know, even someone like Dallas or Nick, like, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. who it was, Sam, all these guys, uh, Mitch and and as soon as you just start a conversation, you know, and you find out 
what people are doing, et cetera. Um, and then they engage with you and then mm. it becomes, yeah, it becomes a conversation. It's a relationship. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ella is an archaeologist. Yeah, it's fascinating. Wild, yeah. You know, yeah. people don't think about people who make coffee as human beings that have mm. other interests. I mean, we think about that of our customers a lot of the time too, though. <laughs> you know, they walk it's, in and they're just a customer. And then when I start learning, like, oh, this is cool. Like Dave's a photographer. I, you know, we get some amazing people. We have Fred, giant beard, super tall, awkward, owns two turtles. He's a spinal surgeon, you know, and he's this young guy. Like, I think he's in his mid thirties. He's hilarious. You know, you know, Ben Stein, you remember Ben, like, Bueller. Maybe. Bueller. like from Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> yeah, Off. Yeah, 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 and he had yeah. a game show. Yeah, yeah. He's on all sorts of, you know. Commercials and shit. He's got this really monotone voice. And this is what Fred sounds like. You know, he's like, can I get a cappuccino, please? But he's actually a super interesting dude. You know, he's really, he really, I mean, besides the fact that he's a spinal surgeon, you know, no big deal. (laughs) But, you know, he loves kind of hip hop fashion and he, you know, he's really interested in coffee and, you know, he loves to travel and, you know, he's a cool dude. Yeah, but I hope now it's a fear, but I hope uh, that Mission Cafe will have someone take up the mantle. You know, the last thing we need to are people that don't buy into that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you or Phil or Sebastian or anything. It's just the way that these things evolve. Yeah. But I'm beginning to understand, like even today when I was at the coffee shop before I came here this morning, and one of the regulars and you were talking about, uh, remember, um, two shots of espresso versus one and one decaf. Sure, like, yeah. Keep the flavor, lower the caffeination. Yeah. That's not a conversation you hear at a coffee shop typically. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you're right. I think we do encourage that with our staff, though. Mm. You know, So I hope that that stays alive because I guess one of the things I didn't mention before, but we've always been encouraged to really make that connection. You know, in other places I've worked, it's like, hey, 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 stop talking. You know, like, get back to work. We got work to do. Talking with our customers is our work. You know, I will rarely pull an employee aside for talking to a customer. No. Because they're important. It's so important. If I'm, like, really busy and you're on the other side of the cafe and I'm like, I really need your help. Like, (laughs) right, we're still a team. Time and a place. Yeah. But ultimately, like, if you have time to talk to a customer, do it. Yeah, I love chatting yeah. earlier. Well, not you or anymore, sure. but the staff that yeah. will be at Mission Cafe. And it's fun uh, It's fun just being able to walk in and wave at people and know yeah. like, oh, yeah, Ben just had a kid and Sam just had a kid. Yeah. And whatever it is, you know, yeah. it's it's fascinating to, to get involved. And then should you want to uh, learn about coffee, yeah. shit, uh, people at Phil and Sebastian can teach you about coffee. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're not only friendly, but also knowledgeable. Yeah. You know. And, yeah, the uh, strict uh, testing to get on the... Yeah, it is quite strict. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It's called the bar test. It has nothing to do with a legal degree. But uh, yeah, you have to um, you have to be able... To, you know, it's kind of evolved over the years since I took it. I took it back in 2010, and it was quite different. But basically now, you know, there's up to six months of training before a staff member takes their test. And during the test, you have to create, I think it's 12 drinks for this uh, group of judges. There's there's three judges that are tasting the coffee. And then there's a judge that is checking basically everything, every movement you make. So you can't waste any coffee and your milk has to be the right temperature. And you have to have like, you know, done enough tweaking to the grinder and the machine to make the coffee taste just right. We call it dialing it in. You know, all of that has to be perfect. And then you have to serve this coffee, like these multiple beverages to these uh, judges. And you also the whole time have to talk to these people. They're asking you questions and you have to explain to them. They might say, oh, tell me about coffee processing. And then you have to tell them about coffee processing. While, while working. While it's all happening. Oh, because that's a real life scenario. Hmm. I talk to you the whole time while I'm making drinks and it's just part of my job. Yep. So they want to know that you can do that. Um, and all of the training up to then is like this is the culmination. And then finally, you're allowed to go into an actual cafe and pull espresso shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, but y- y- the good thing about that is that it really instills a pride in our employees. You know, like some people get kind of miffed that it's taking them a long time to get to that level. But once they get there, everybody kind of like welcomes them with open arms like, hey, you passed your bot test. This is great. Congratulations. You know, so I think it's great. You yeah. Know? The, the idea of standards, discipline, training. Yeah. Work culture is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm inherently attracted to Phil and Sebastian. I don't know why. Probably Toronto snobbery when we first mm. moved here. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, and then Mission opened after we had moved uh, into like into the city. Yeah. Uh, and so initially, I think we'd been going to Marta Loop 
maybe Chinook, who knows? Yeah. Uh, it was, feels like a, two lifetimes ago now. I, I feel that, you know, whether it was, yeah, anybody that was able to pull a shot, they, you're right. There's something, there's I something mean, more. We hope that they do it with pride, not, yeah. not too much pride, but, uh, you know, yeah, we want them to be knowledgeable. We want them to, to know that they are valued and know that they've worked for something, you know, in this day and age, it's hard to financially value them, but, uh, you know, at least we want them to know that we've put our time and our energy into them to do this kind of stuff. So one of the yeah. things I wanted to overcome with this concept of art is, like, mm-hmm. for example, pulling a shot mm-hmm. uh, at Phil and Sebastian is an artisanal, is a structured, is a learned, is a honed skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's fascinating, like hearing someone on a, on the bar saying, you know, oh, well, it was good an hour ago. We'll have to make sure we dial it in. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what you'll hear at many other. Of course not. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. 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 So it gives you a reflection. You're t- taking part of something that's kind of unique. Yeah. It's huh. it's a it's an ever evolving thing, espresso. You know, if you're really paying attention to it and it changes throughout the day and um, and it relies really heavily, you know, beyond it being a skill, like you said, it also relies very heavily on your palate, mm-hmm. you know, which is really cool. You know, it's it's not just a series of movements, but also a series of of tasting and of of sensory uh, movements, if yeah. you will. And that's what's really neat to me, because it's you can teach somebody how to put the 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 thing under the the portafilter under the grinder and grind the coffee and distribute it properly and tamp it really straight and put it in the machine. But you can do all those things and still make a really awful hmm. cup of coffee because you haven't tasted it and really like made sure everything's just right it's not just mechanical it's just just yeah exactly not just mechanical yeah Hmm. so um yeah it's really cool i think it's a lot of fun um and i'm gonna miss uh that for sure but uh for me it's never been about the coffee itself you know it's always been about the connection and then the sharing of the knowledge of coffee because it's something i've been educated in i love to talk about it yeah we had a great moment it was yesterday we ordered the geisha yeah you really turned on in that discussion Thanks for listening so far. We just wanted to say that this podcast has been brought to you by Media Lab YYC. Kyle Marshall runs this amazing little outfit here in downtown Calgary. Um, And we wanted to say this. Here at Media Lab YYC, we help you share your stories with the public. Video, audio, business, personal. Let us help you take your idea to the finish line. Just uh, in case we run out of time, let's switch the gear a little bit um, and talk about mountains. Okay, great. Okay, we can start from the beginning here. This is a heavy story. Are you okay. ready? Okay, so I went to boarding school when I was 15 for one year. St. John's School of Alberta. It was an Anglican boarding school. I am the farthest from Anglican you would ever hear. I was raised in a Japanese religion. We can talk about that another time. But the reason I went to this boarding school is because, one, there's very few boarding schools in Alberta. And, two, I had some friends who had gone there. And uh, they raved about it. I actually asked to go to this boarding school. Oh. I was not sent to boarding school. So I begged to go to this school because it's a really outdoor-oriented school. These guys have their own dog kennels. They do dog sledding. They do, like, you know, 50-kilometer snowshoe races. They uh, they go on a month-long canoe trip at the end of every year. Holy shit. You actually go to school every Saturday morning for the whole year to offset the extra month you're taking off portaging and doing all this oh, crazy yeah. stuff up in the northwest territories they go oh for 30 days huge so i started in grade 10 and uh you know it was very expensive um my parents are not wealthy they took out a second mortgage just to like send me to boarding school thanks mom and dad um anyway so we arrived and we have all our gear and everything and they said okay welcome you're going on the new boy hike so depending on what year you start in the school goes from 7 to 12 and depending on what year you start in, it, is, it governs how big your hike is. So because I was starting in grade 10, I was going eight days and 120 kilometers. Oh my God. Big hike. So we got started, you know, and, and we didn't know that this hike was happening. That's the one thing they don't tell you. I think because they, I don't know, you know, you show up and they're like, hey, tomorrow we're leaving on this big epic. This is faculty, not hazing. That's right. Yeah. And at the time I was not into mountains i was not very active i'm still not great at most sports you know i didn't i didn't have that kind of body awareness or athleticism so we started hiking and i started feeling pretty pretty gross on day three i started to experience some physical uh discomfort that um escalated worse and worse and worse and i i actually ended up um getting a staph infection which is bad news and nobody believed me because they thought i was a uh just a whiny chubby kid I wasn't even sure if anything was wrong with me or not, if I just couldn't cope. 
the long story short is I ended up collapsing on the last day and I had to be carried out. And uh, I, you know, was taken to the the hospital and this, this boarding school was up by Stony Plain. It doesn't exist anymore. Stony Plain still exists, but the boarding school doesn't. Uh, so up close to Edmonton and I went into this little hospital that they took me to. And the doctor said, like, something is really wrong with this kid. This kid is in trouble. Holy shit. So I was transported to the university hospital. And it took them four days to figure out I had a staph infection because they'd never seen staph do that before. So this this bacteria often infects one cut or one joint or something. But I had it all over my body. I had it in both my feet, both my knees, my knuckles, my shoulders, and my lungs. I was in trouble. What the hell? My body was in sepsis. I was shutting down. I also had a very bad kidney infection. That's what the doctor noticed first. He was like, okay, whatever else is wrong with this kid, he's got a really bad kidney infection. Let's go. So um, yeah, it's just the last thing they checked for because they were like, how could it possibly be this? You know? Yeah, it was really bad. Um, I had to get uh, eight surgeries on my knees and my feet because that's where the infection was the worst to drain them out. And, uh, and my feet had actually broken from the swelling oh my of God. my feet in my boots. It was crazy. That sucked a lot. The the <laughs> experience was very traumatic. You know, not only the pain and the and the anguish, but also you know not knowing if you know You're them not it. them not believing me, and also because I'm sure they had a lot of whiny fat kids and this kind of thing, but also me not knowing. So you know, I was in the hospital for three months. Uh, I was on a continual motion machine so that my knees and my feet uh, were always moving because the fluid from the infection would fill the joints and then harden. Oh my god! It was very painful. It sucked. I was, it was very traumatic. It took me a long time and a little bit of therapy to get over some of that trauma. And so I wanted nothing to do with the wilderness for a very long time. The smell of pine and spruce actually made me feel really gross. Some PTSD. Yeah, of course. And mm-hmm. smell is apparently the strongest sense that's tied to memory. You know, when you smell something, you're just like, oh my God, mom's baking, whatever it was. So it really kind of messed me up. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I kind of just stayed away from the mountains. I didn't want anything to do with it. I had grown up with a really outdoorsy mother, but just like shunned all of it. I was like, screw the mountains. And then, uh, you know, I, I started gaining a lot of weight. You know, I just felt really shitty about life. And uh, at the age of like 24, I was 300 pounds and uh, pretty unhappy with my life. You can't and, see it, but yeah, thank ja- you. Thank Jacko you. is not 300, <laughs> not 300 pounds 300 anymore. Pounds. No, no. <laughs> And so I, I finally decided I wanted to do something about it. And so that started with a lot of gym exercises and all that kind of stuff. But it also, I was like, hey, I want to go on a hike, you know? So I want to I wanna do this and I just want to give it a shot and see if I can do this. So we went and did Mount Yamnuska, which is uh, one of the first mountains on the north side of the Bow Valley when you're coming into the Rocky Mountains close to Canmore. And I, I, we went and did Mount Yamnuska and I loved it. I had a great time. And that was the first like real mountain I'd ever climbed. And it's a doozy. We went for a good one too. Um, but I had a great time. And that was the beginning of my love for mountains, you know? And from there, I just started hiking as much as I could. It was a lot of smaller mountains to begin with. And then I kind of, I, I think when you start doing something you love, you fall in with people who are like-minded. Mm. And then I, I found a really cool group of guys that were all kind of at the same hiking level as I was. We, we started getting to more scrambling and difficult scrambling and then rock climbing and now we we do full on mountaineering. So now we uh, we've got boots with spikes on them. We've got ropes. We've got ice picks and ice axes, and we and we get out on some really big mountains now. And uh, and I love it. The pictures you, know? you send you show yeah. me throughout the year are nuts. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. you go up. It's yeah. not an exaggeration. No. Yeah. We 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 definitely do some big mountains now, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know they're, they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, the reason I brought it up, other yeah. than the fact that it's really cool, yeah. it's an amazing story, is yeah. uh, you almost died this yeah. year several yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I don't know I, if, yeah. if it's painful to relive. No, no, no. Those are fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, it kind of goes with the territory a little bit. You uh, In any part in your life, you're bound to make some mistakes once in a while. And unfortunately, when you make a mistake on a glacier or on a big snow slope, it's a little bit uh, more dire. You know, if you stub your toe walking down the street or you step on your shoelace or whatever, you know, you skin a knee, your your life is okay, you know. Um, but when you're on a mountain, if you slip in the wrong spot, it can be really dangerous. So, yeah, I've, I had a few close calls this year. And uh, and a lot of that is a result of uh, cockiness and some inexperience still. 
So, yeah, you know, one was on the way up uh, Mount Victoria that we were trying to do the north summit of Mount Victoria. And uh, we were crossing this glacier and we had to get over something called a uh, Bergschrund, which is kind of the uh, toe of a glacier or the... Uh, it's it's sometimes where you know the glacier changes from horizontal to more vertical, and there's a big uh, crevasse in that spot. You know, it's a deep fissure in the glacier, and so we had we had to get over this thing, and so we we got over it. But now we were on some pretty steep terrain, and uh, we were about to we were trying to gain the summit ridge. We got on some really crappy rock with just a very thin layer of snow covering it, and under that snow is something called verglas, and verglas is is when wet rock gets icy it has a really thin kind of clear layer of ice over it and it's deadly it's deadly because you know zero friction. zero friction Negative and there's friction. a little bit of snow on top of it so sometimes you think that the the traction is going to be great and it's not so i knew where i wanted to be but this stuff was in front of me and i think i was just like oh yeah i'll be fine you know and that was a big mistake so i started climbing up it and i started sliding down and i was roped up with my partner and below us was this Bergschrund, you know, was this crevasse. So we were kind of freaking out and I, and I took a slip and I started sliding on my stomach. I was, I was kind of ice picking my way up this steep rock cliff, if you will. And I started sliding and, uh, I was so like, just my, I wasn't even like, I, I basically self-arrested. I was able to kind of get my weight on top of my ice axe and it thankfully just grabbed a little something, you know? And, and I actually, my hand actually slipped off my ice axe. And thankfully I had my ice axe attached to my harness at the time as well. And it was actually the little piece of rope that attached my ice axe to my harness that stopped me. So I don't know if it would have been fatal, but I would have been really hurt. We would have slid down a snow slope and possibly uh, into a crevasse. Um, so it would have sucked, you know. <laughs> uh, we might have been able to self-arrest on the snow slope. Uh, the distance wasn't great, but the, the consequences would have been really high. So that was scary. So we turned around that day. We were like, yeah, we're good. We're, we're fine. But, you know, it's really like, what lesson do you learn from that? And it's really think about your surroundings. Think about what you're doing. You know, don't stop doing what you're doing, but just really look at it from an educated perspective, you know. And some of that is, is unfortunately learning what you can and can't do. By error. By error. The mistakes, the, the stakes are higher. That was the, the first time. Uh, and then more recently on... Uh, I guess it was August long weekend. We were doing another two mountains uh, with a big glacier in the middle of it. And we had to um, go up these two snow covered gullies. They're called a, it's called a couloir. And in, in a um, heavier snowfall time, that would be an avalanche chute or an avalanche gully. But, you know, when we were there, there's not enough snow around there to really be a gully, but there's always snow there. So we went up these two couloirs to gain this upper glacier. The first couloir in the morning was quite shallow you know maybe a 45 degree angle and it was nice and wide and it didn't require any sort of ice climbing techniques we kind of just walked up it like a staircase the second couloir was very steep you know we had to really like you know use our two ice picks and pull ourselves up and kick steps and get up this and we were really worried about getting down that steep one we went and did the two mountains we were coming down that it took us you know what took us 20 minutes to get up took us an hour and a half to get down on the steep one so after that, we were like, oh, we got it made. You know, we're, I got cocky again. You know, I said like, yeah, no problem. I'm, I can see the tents way down there. They're about, a, you know, two or three kilometers away. Uh, we just have to go down this shallow couloir. Life is good. So, but it was four o'clock in the afternoon. The sun had been beating down in that snow all day. And I started really nonchalantly walking down this second couloir and my feet gave out underneath me. So I uh, ended up sliding for a pretty big distance before I was able to self-arrest. And uh, in the process, I, I, you know, nearly broke my nose. I had a big gash across my face from my ice axe hitting me in the face and I broke a rib and it was very painful. It looks great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah healed yeah, very, yeah. very well. The, I have a little scar now, but I'm, I'm happy with it. And, uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't lose an eye. It was fucking jarring when I came in yeah. on uh, whatever Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. I'm like, Jacko. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool. Yeah, I almost Don't worry about it. Good. No, it's fine. <laughs> You like you went to work. It's insane. Yeah, well, sure. You got it. <laughs> um, the rib took a lot longer to heal. Holy crap. Yeah. I've never experienced a broken rib. Oh, my God. Broken ribs suck. It's unreal. Yeah, I broke a rib the year my wife and I finally decided to get married on our yeah. 10th anniversary in a soccer game. And we did our honeymoon with a broken rib. And um, that's a weird, that's a weird restriction. Oh, you can't have any fun. Yeah, yeah. It's just in your, it's in everything. And it's moving. Yeah. You can't, you can't, uh, 
you can't stabilize no. it. You no. can't immobilize no it. No, no. So you just suffer and hope it heals properly. Yeah, exactly. They don't have to re-break it or something. Yeah. So that really sucks. But what I did learn is like, just really err on the side of caution, buddy. You know, like you're on a big glacier, you're on a big mountain, you know, whatever happens, the smallest of things are big out there. Mm. You know, you could, if you, if you sprain your ankle, you have to hike out sometimes 15, 16 kilometers with a sprained ankle. So if you do something worse than a sprained ankle, like it's trouble. Sometimes you don't have cell phone signals. Sometimes you don't have anything. And sometimes those helicopters take 40 or 50 hours to come to you. Just be aware, you know, <laughs> that it's, that it's big. It's a big place. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to exercise a little more caution from now on and do all that. I, I just so that I at least know that I did my part. Ultimately out there, uh, a boulder could come out of a mountaintop and crush me. You know, it's, that's just a given. And that's something that I've accepted and I'm fine with the fact, I don't want to die, of course, but I'm fine with the fact that there are hazards beyond my control, but what are the ones in my control? Mm. And uh, my ego is a big, big hazard that I can control a little more. This is the other thing that I think uh, we vibe on, especially after my uh, big midlife crisis and, and recovery that I talk about so much, but spiritually in terms of life philosophy, you know, you're, you have lots of great insight for Mm me. I think after you almost, uh, yeah, gashed your face with your ice axe, um, we were chatting casually and you mentioned, I think I've brought this up either in the podcast or in casual Mm -hmm. conversation that you mentioned how, you know, with mountain climbing, for example, on the ascent, camping out with a couple of smelly dudes here, uh, almost dying, dealing with elements. It's not that it's innately enjoyable in its minutia, mm. but that the entire process has some kind of value to that you would even go back, you know? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. 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 It all sucks most of the time. You know, like it's, it's really, it's that it's very much a type two fun in that it's, you think about it after and you're like, oh, that was a really fun. At the time you're, you're working really hard. You're suffering a little bit. But uh, there's a camaraderie that is bred from suffering with your fellows, you know, with your with your your community. You, when you go through hardship, you come out on the other side a stronger unit. In my opinion, it's a bit of a militaristic sounding statement, but I I believe it and I love it, you know. And yeah, frequently I'm out there. And I'm like, holy shit, man! I'm you know, we've had some twenty hour days, and you're so tired, and you just want to go home and sleep in a warm bed, but you've also put your body through something and your mind through something really amazing. You know, you've, you've worked really hard and pushed yourself really far because there's no other option. The option is to not even start, but once you start, you're in it and it's, it's a really cool experience. And, uh, and there's a lot of fear involved. You get aggravated. Sometimes you get afraid, you get bored, a lot of boredom, but it's like a microcosm of life in a trip. It kind of is, you know, the one thing you have a lot of things to worry about when you're on a trip like that, but one of them isn't the rest of your life. It's just that moment. Hmm. Who cares what's happening at the coffee shop, what's happening on TV? None of it matters. And it's nice, you know. This morning when we're, I mean, presuming that these come out sequentially, this morning we're talking (laughs) with Alex and he brought up this observation that art and culture come out of uh, suffering. That Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, kind of what you're describing in these moments where everybody has to band together and express something whatever it is um that we get this creativity and we get this energy it sounds a little bit like uh actually a lot like even uh, a mountaineering expedition with two or four or Mm. whatever members uh will draw something like that where um it's in the whether it's intentional or unexpected or you know uh, casual uh, suffering Mm -hmm. um that's involved with climbing such huge distances and uh, putting yourself through such extreme conditions that you get something bigger out of it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a, a trust in yourself. You know, there's a, a reliance on what you're really all about. I, I, I guess maybe, you know, you're learning your gut, you know, and you're learning what, what's really important. And, uh, and it's really just right here, right now, your body, you know, the rest of life is not really relevant because it's not happening right now. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a really beautiful experience, you know, and there's a bit of an adrenaline thing as well, of course. Well, if yeah, life wasn't <laughs> enjoyable, I would be. Like, That's right, of course. I wonder, so. you know, it's interesting. Um, just good ad- advice. It's interesting to kind of have this thought to put you on the spot. So, like on Instagram, mm-hmm. your Alpine rhymes, yeah, yeah, because you uh, get up to peaks and you write about it. Yeah, would you be interested in uh, reading 
a poem of yours? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really love to just get up there and, uh, and the pictures you bring back and you post are, are beautiful. And we, we're going to talk yeah. about uh, magazines and all this kind of stuff moving forward. But, yeah, uh, I have a good time. The rhyming thing I, I, I kind of just fell into. I don't frequently like write poetry at home or anything like that. But I was like, yeah, you know, this is a fun little ditty that I thought of while I'm on my way up. And, uh, and I just decided to keep it up. I've only, it always used to be about like, rise to the peak you'll find what you seek you know it was always very mountain focused and lately i've been working on like just poems it doesn't really have to be about the, perseverance the itself, or the trip right, but right. uh yeah the one that i i think is my favorite is actually the most recent um which i really love and uh it's a photo here of um, a beautiful valley in the siffler wilderness area which is kind of northeast of lake louise um way out in the backcountry and on a side note they're actually that's the spot where they're reintroducing the bison into uh, Banff National Park because they have there haven't been any bison in Banff National Park since the early 1900s, I believe. Oh wow! So they're reintroducing. Sounds like a big project. It's a big project. I didn't see any of them. You know, they're still under wraps. But uh, yeah. So what I what I wrote here was, uh, in time you'll know that what was said was said for me and you. Fear is not for us, she told me. Fear is not what's true. And though it took a time and half to digest the things I heard, it built a nest upon my heart. Each branch a sacred word. Yeah. I kind of like it. Alpine rhymes. Yeah, Alpine rhymes. So now, yeah, I, I have a lot of time, obviously, when I'm trudging up a massive hill to the peak of something. And uh, most of the time, you're not thinking about anything. You yeah. actually can't because you're just working too hard. Yeah. But every once in a while, I like to just start to think about these things, you know. And in this day and age, my phone lasts for two days if I have it on airplane mode. And uh, I'll just like, you know, tick something down oh, nice. while I'm while I'm trudging around. My phone has decided to give up on me. I, it lasts less than three hours oh, if i have man. two apps simultaneously crashes <laughs> apple's told me that the iphone 6 is no longer a valid device oh so, good yeah it i mean it seems like it should be forced obsolescence the, right uh, there not yeah so not to, frustrating as kyle's been noting i whine a lot about the corporate <laughs> patriarchy and uh, all this kind of stuff but um no it's, you know it's interesting too uh there's a acronym i came up or i uh, came around um that uh, yeah, fear is false evidence of anything real. It's an interesting one in the context of what you were talking about before you started mm -hmm. hiking, which is the type of fear where it prevents you from even starting. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that is a theme that frightens off so many of us from even entertaining the first creative thought, and we feel like totally. we just gotta just exist. And uh, I don't know, there's something, there's yeah. something. More to life, I think. I think we all have our our things still where fear probably prevents us from doing things. And I certainly do. You know, uh, thankfully, mountains just aren't one of them as much, you know, because I have a community to support me. But in terms of, you know, stepping down as a manager at Film Sebastian, I've kind of wanted to stop doing it for a while now. I still put my all into it while I was there, but I was tired you know, but I was kind of afraid. I, I no, I wasn't kind of, I was afraid. I was afraid to change my lifestyle, afraid to uh, not have my people not visit every day and kind of afraid to work harder to get something new. And I think that's a big one. We get into our rut and we're comfortable, not necessarily happy, but we don't really want to put in the effort to do something different because it may or may not fail. Hmm. And I'm still afraid to fail, of course. You know, I don't want to fail in the mountains, obviously, because you die, but- uh, Well, apparently you know, not. Well, sure, see. you don't die. I guess it's- <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think of turning back as a failure most of the time, but, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, but, um, I had to have my bases pretty solid before I finally decided to step down as managing. Um, and even still, I'm going to a whole new role that is new for me and new for the company. And I'm like, shit, can I even do this? Like, you know, am I, am I good enough? Am I educated enough? Am I whatever enough? And it's like, yeah, man, just give it a shot, you know, give it your all. And that's that. Even in the, you know, with the interview process for this job, I, uh, it was quite extensive. First, I had to go and just have a casual conversation with them. And they said like, hey, we don't even know if we can afford this or what we want, but we like you. Are you interested? I said like, okay, sure. Yeah. I'm interested in this job that does or does not exist. They said, okay, great. We're going to send you a personality test. So then I did this personality test and it's from a company here in town and they ask you a series of questions. And it wasn't as long as I thought it would be. I was expecting like a Briggs-Myers thing or Myers-Briggs thing that is like, the, the complex ones take like two hours, three yeah. hours to fill out. This one took 20 minutes. It was on my iPhone. It was like a quick little mobile test. 
I'm like, okay, great. And, you know, it basically asked me what I prefer out of these statements, which is better, which is worse. What do I trust more? What do I trust less? And I said, okay, I don't, I don't see how this is really getting to the bottom of who I am, but okay. And then it gave me a color. Like, you are this color. <laughs> I said, okay, cool. What color were you? I'm, I'm a red. I'm, I'm three quarters red and a quarter yellow. Fascinating. So I'm primarily so a red. A dark orange. Yeah, I think I don't think you get to mix the colors though. I Ugh. think you're just red, yellow. Okay. Um, so I took this test and uh, and they contacted me and said like, "Wow, we're really happy with your test results." Oh wow! I said okay, great. They said you. So the test was altered to see if I align with their set, set of values. So I think mm. this company, I can't remember what they're called right now. I think they also help you define your values as a company, mm. and then they cater a test to that set of values to see how people align with that. Mm-hmm. So there's no right or wrong answers. They just want to know if you really align with with their vision so yeah i i took this test and uh and they called me and they said like wow this is great <laughs> okay you're red <laughs> yellow and uh and they said we'd love to have a formal interview with you now and we want to talk with you and but first um here's the job description and here's an assignment for you so oh three God. three questions that i had to figure out so i'm gonna read some of these questions just briefly here because I thought they were really interesting. This is where uh, we need a mic for Kyle and we could all take a turn answering them yeah. and seeing like how blue and green I actually yeah, am. Yeah, right? These aren't, these aren't the personality questions. These are the um, interview questions. So the first question is, please tell us how you would differentiate a community events plan from a community engagement plan. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of so do you want me to, Yeah, that's a stuff, lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, shit, this is so corporate. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I, at the interview, I told them, uh, this all felt really corporate to me. And they laughed. They're like, we don't think of ourselves as corporate at all. I'm like, I've been working in kitchens and behind coffee bars. Yeah. This is uber corporate to me. Yeah. I would die in a real office. So I made a big spiel about that. You know, I, I talked about how an events plan is, well, I, I made it about mountains. Um, I said an events plan is is the peaks, you know, that you are reveling on top of. But the the community engagement plan is the valley. When you get back down to the valley and you meet with your family, like, that's the warmth. That's the process. That's the home base. You know, how can you make the home base better? The events are the events. But if the home base isn't good, nobody's going to go up the mountain or mm. up, the, up to the event. Hmm. They, don't, they don't care about it. So that's what we're really going to try and work on. So that was a big one. Um, that's a great answer. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I had, to, I had to talk about mountains. <laughs> so the next one was, um, this one's a little longer. Basically, they kind of talk about what they're struggling with, how they have a strong community, but they're kind of in small pockets and disconnected hubs. Uh, they talk about how their coworkers are interested in community events like yoga and and coffee and cocktails, et cetera. But at the time of the event, very few people actually show up. You know, They akin it to throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And then they have big events, really large, ornate Christmas parties and elaborate things, but Actually, very few people from the space actually come. It's mostly just people friends in the community, friends and family and, you know, media and whatever, because they really do an amazing events thing there. So they said, you know, based on the information, what components of a community engagement strategy would you provo- propose to move us from here to there? What components of a community engagement strategy? Well, holy shit. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. And then the last, you know, they talked a little bit more about operations, um, they said, imagine yourself walking through the commons. What components of a community operations strategy would you propose to make our space and customer service work for us in terms of community engagement? That was the easiest for me to answer because that's more about the operations. I was like, okay, I'm going to imagine walking through this space and just be like, okay, this needs to be lighter. We need to move a desk here, whatever. You know, that was the easiest. But so I, I probably spent like five or six hours working on these because I really wanted to impress them. And I was, you know, concerned about this is like oh my god i need to look up what a strategy is you know and what a and i talked with one of my friends she said plans and strategies are different <laughs> like what she said a plan is more short-term and a strategy is more long-term mm. and strategies have definitive things inside the strategy you need to ask the questions and then you need to you know hone in on which ones are actually the important questions then you may need to make an action plan and then you need to realize that action plan and then you need to evaluate after i was like oh my god i'm in trouble you know so i finally just kind of answered the way that i answer now because i said this is me right now you know this is my level of of uh, comprehension of comprehension and uh, and they were really happy with it so it worked out well you know and and i i laughed at the interview because they said we we wanted to make you pretty uncomfortable with these questions and i was like well it worked <laughs> and they said and yeah we didn't really know like 
totally what we were asking. No, of course not. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like even they were like, yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens by asking these questions. But anyways, it was a great, uh, it was a great um, talk with them. We talked for almost two hours and they called me today and said, hey, let's, let's do, do this. I don't remember what the initial question was. I went off on a tangent, I think, but uh, yeah, my apologies. But, no, uh, no, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. fascinating. I, I think, you know, both as an insight into your character that you would, you know, spend time researching, but then still try to, to tailor it back to mm-hmm. how you want to comprehend it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, I remember when I was... 17 i think i applied for a job at a movie theater and i failed the psychological exam they gave me one of those psychological exam at a movie theater yeah they gave me like a behavioral (laughs) test question and apparently i failed okay because like i i was um you know i i considered myself a big movie buff my whole life and all this kind of shit and then i uh finally needed a real like just a job job mm-hmm. and i applied at a cineplex odeon in uh, richmond hill or somewhere and uh and it seemed pretty straightforward sure. like you know i'm a dude i need money i'm good at movies yeah. like just give me this goddamn job already and the uh, the person at the time and this is you know 17 so you know i was like 1995 whatever Amazing. it was a heck yeah. of a long time before yeah. this modern social test yeah so I went into a room and I had to write one of those, you know, like, I don't know, I can't remember if it was multiple choice or whatever. Scantron, maybe. Yeah, like maybe that. a Scantron. Yeah, yeah like a number two they, pencil or if something. If they had a Scantron machine, I'd be very impressed. Um, and then I didn't even get a call back. So something on there proved that either I think I spent a lot of energy trying to answer the way I thought they wanted me mm-hmm. to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, those like complex things. Of course, things. yeah. And ever since then, or maybe just in general, I've been really shit at all of them. That's um, so funny. And it was put into light as my amazing wife uh, when we started dating. She she can pass all of those because she is an exceptionally straightforward person. Mm-hmm. And she... However she was raised, pro or con or whatever, the one thing that is uh, an incredible part of her is that she just she's just like, yeah, well, kind of like what you're talking about. It's like, okay, well, I know you want here, but this is... This is what I got. This is just what I got. Yeah. So, you know, if you like it, great. If yeah. not, great. Fuck off. Like, let's just move on. Then it's not right for either of us. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, I, they were I, very adamant to me when I took this test. Like, don't answer what, we, what you think we want you to answer. <laughs> Do not. I'm yeah. Like, All right. Cool. Like I'm trying to learn that now uh, after hitting the wall so many goddamn times. But it's difficult. I, yeah. It's difficult. This idea that we have to impress everyone around us to mm-hmm. get something is a fascinating poison. I mm-hmm. think uh, it's mixed up too much with uh, an obscure idea of morality that we're trying to be good to other people. Yeah. But like what we're being good for. I, I don't know what the semantic twist yeah. is. But I mean, I think if we want to get you know, new agey or what everybody says now is like, if you can't be good to yourself, how can you possibly be good to other people? Right. And part of that is just being, you know, true to yourself, if you will, you know. Um, But a lot of it is, I've boiled it down to just being direct with people, hmm. which I of course struggle to do because I am big time a people pleaser and I want people to like me and, you know, I make a job out of it. But um, I also like, if if you're not being real with yourself then you're just going to be pretending all the time and feeling like shit deep down and, this is why yeah. I think I'm learning, you know, there are artists that are happy. There are artists that are miserable. Mm-hmm. There are people who make seven, eight figure incomes that mm-hmm. are happy. There are some that are miserable. Mm-hmm. This personal perspective of how they approach themselves is mm-hmm. such a complex issue where mm-hmm. even what I'm doing now in my in my current iteration of myself, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I could focus on that would make uh, anybody miserable. <laughs> of course. And then there's all these things that are happening that I think when people hear about it, they're jealous of mm-hmm. because they're like, well, how can you go out? How do you have a podcast right now? I'm like, I don't know. It Kyle just works appeared out. in my yeah. life and he's lifting me yeah. up. Thanks, Kyle. With his arms of gold. That's right. Um, you know, how do I curate the walls? Well, I talked to Jacko and yeah. we built some shows and all of a sudden Jacko's like, why aren't you just doing this? And yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to answer I that question. Know. Let's just do yeah. it. Um you know, there's so much work that goes into before that for us to be able to have those conversations. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I remember you referred me to talk to, at the time, Josie to get my first show. Yeah. And then while the show was up, a photographer fellow came up to me and asked, he's, you know, he was just incredulous. He was like, how did you get a solo show? Whoa. And then I had to be the flippant kind of prick. I was like, well, I asked. I asked for you it. You know, like I can give you all the numbers mm-hmm. and you can ask. It's just a, a weird thing. I mean, there's a lot of life that happens to be able to ask for sure. 
but if I'm learning anything now, it's like you just yeah, just it's ask. Like, it's not about knowing anything. Yeah, just, or anyone sometimes. Yeah. Like sure, like you can get to a, a, a end goal faster by knowing people, but sometimes you might waste a lot of time trying to navigate those uh, pathways. Politics. Yeah. No. And all you do is like, hey, I wouldn't mind putting a show up. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Step one. Okay. Yeah. Know. Hopefully. It, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. It can be. It can be that simple. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's you know, there's so many there's so many things that we do to block ourselves hmm. that we don't even realize. I've probably got a thousand of them, you know, and all it takes is for you to be like, hold on, who's stopping me? Yeah. Nobody. You know, and am I harming anybody by doing this thing? Nope. Is is society gonna look down on me? Probably not. Okay, let's do it then. And the other thing I think is to put something in perspective. This is a bit of an offshoot, but I spent a lot of time thinking about the fact that I was only a barista or only a cafe manager. You know, I'm 33 now and I was like, is it okay for me to be managing a coffee shop at 33? Well, who cares? Number one. And number two, nobody else cares really. And, and, uh, it's only you. It's not just a coffee shop. You know, it's a place of community. It's a place of uh, food and beverage. It's a, uh, you know, honestly, there's plenty of 40 year old restaurant managers out there. So why is this any different? But you can do that in all aspects of your life. I never went to post-secondary school. I just started working in restaurants. And sometimes I think, well, all my friends went to college and, uh, and did this and this and this, but who cares? It doesn't matter. And I'm about to start a corporate job and I didn't go to post-secondary <laughs> education. In your face. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I've been I've been doing that, yeah. uh, treading that path too. And one of the ones recently that came up is you know we've had this winter in October, and <laughs> you know if you wake up that one morning when it snowed like two feet, yeah, we met and I came yeah. down. And if you know your initial intuition is oh shit it's snowing so much versus oh it's snowing it's so snowing. It's semantics tone, it's, it's fascinating huge. how yeah that changes everything. Yeah. Um, and all of this sort of weight we put on ourselves about the valuations that other people have on us, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, are, they're total bullshit. Even if they exist, that's what they care. That's about. their problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And now, yeah, you almost died twice on a mountain because you don't give a shit what people think about you being on mountains. Yeah. Like, I want to die on the mountain. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to die on a mountain. But, um, you know, that's my choice to make. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't have a lot of time left, yeah. but one of the things that I'm going to be pushing you, uh, hopefully we'll stay friends, even though yes, I don't get to I see really you every so. day. Yeah. It's kind of uh, a frightening concept too, Jack- <laughs> Jacko, is uh, you got you to become a mountaineer proper, dude. Yeah, that's the next step. I, I mean, want... does that even matter, getting a license in that well, stuff? Well, it, it does and it doesn't. It's more just for the fact, you know, you don't have to be licensed to take people out to the mountains, but you're going to get a lot more credibility. Hmm. You know, I do want to work towards my mountain guide certification and um, and it's going to take a long time. But having that certification just really shows people that you know what's up, you know what you're doing. It requires a lot less uh, self-promotion and guiding companies are going to be a lot more inclined to hire you. Mm. It's not an essential though. It's not an essential, but it's something I would like to do. You know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, hopefully this is the beginning of a journey that includes that. Yeah. I think uh, it'll be a lot of fun wherever it goes. You know, I think regardless of if I ever get the certification or not, at least I got to have a lot of good times along the way. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's just hard to comprehend what's going to happen next since you're about to start in something fundamentally different than you've been doing for 10, no, 20, 15, 15 years. years. Yeah. I've, I've never not worked in a restaurant since uh, 2003. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fun to monitor you. Yeah. Actually, for five months, I worked in a hood deflector factory when I was 18 ah. in the Ogden industrial area. Oh, well, then, you, you know, you've been in a I, I know, corporate life, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Any kind of concluding statement? Uh, any uh, projects? Anything fun to share? Or should we just kind of keep an eye out as the commons Yeah, let's, let's just see what happens. All I want to say is um, I'm having a wild ride. You know, I, I love the ups and downs of life and I love the crazy shit we all go through and I, I have a great time. So that's my, just enjoy the journey, enjoy the wild ride. I know I'm being stereotypical, but just love life, man. But no, just it's, it's all wild, but, uh, it's amazing how it boils down to simple things, man. Yeah. All these adages that I used to yeah. throw out when I was a kid, yeah. you know, like, oh now, my God, now they're, they're actually real. They're all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should have just been positive yeah. instead yeah. of being such a snotty, cynical, I know. 
Um, <laughs> better late than never. Yeah. You know, you always restart. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. It's working so far for me, I Good. think. Good. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you. Um, as I stumbled this morning, I don't know what the musical intro is, but uh, it might still be um, Mallory. Oh, great. But I also just received a song from Handmade. So we'll see if that's usurping. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I haven't even seen Morgan in a, in a super yeah, it's long time. has been a while. Time. It's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully when she releases a full EP, we can have her on here too. I should actually just now make a note of getting everybody from uh, the different iterations of Phil and Sebastian's mission one at a time. It's a good idea. They're all interesting people. They're good people. Yeah, Yeah, man. Good hiring practices on your part. Yeah, not about hiring duds, that's for sure. (laughs) They're either going to be awesome or they're going to go out in a ball of flame. But it's going to be because they have personality. That's exactly right. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. Uh, Okay. Well, thanks very much, dude. Thanks to Media Lab YYC. (laughs) 